0: Welcome back to Pro Running News. It's Matt and Dave speaking all about social media and runners and influencers and all of those fun things. It's actually a pretty hot topic, I guess, in the this day and age of Instagram and TikTok and all of these social medias. But Dave recently came across an interesting article. Uh, the title was, uh, Where is the Line Between Athlete and Influencer by Outside Magazine? And it was a very interesting read. So we're going to talk all about that. Dave, given you found the article and shared it with me, I'll uh, let you kick it off.
1: Yeah, it was. I mean, it's hosted by outside. I think it's in Trailrunner Mag. Mag. Doesn't really matter. Like the the oh, prevailing point no, is that there was sort of they were just sort of looking at this. Um, they spoke to a few runners. Grayson Murphy was one of them. I spoke to Molly Seidel's sister, who's a self-proclaimed influencer, etc. Um, can't remember her name now uh, off the top of my head, but she's on Sad Girl Track Club and that sort of thing. And anyway, they're talking. And then I think Lauren Green, who I don't. I think her name's Lauren Green, but she's really funny, great influencer, hilarious, TikToks, all that stuff, Um, does a lot of stuff around Boston, has done some stuff with Molly. Um, So listeners would recognize her. They would have seen one of her reels or something. They may not recognize her name. But anyway, I guess the point is there was this talk about like, and listeners would be very familiar with this. There's this complaint amongst the running community that uh, people who are influencers are getting sponsored money, whatever, and runners who are performing are not that's like kind of the thesis here is that like being a good runner isn't getting you paid anymore. It's not getting you sponsored. I mean, Liam Adams comes to mind, right? Uh, Can't get a sponsor. He's one of the fastest runners in Australia has been to multiple Olympics. Um, He runs regularly, he runs marathons and runs them well, Um, you know, many more than most, right? So many runners will do two marathons a year. I don't know how many Liam's doing, but it's like, the number is North of three. I think it's closer to six, um, maybe more, even Uh, plus runs half marathons, runs all sorts of stuff in Victoria as well, cross country. So in terms of, number of exposures a year he's a high number but uh the question is why aren't brands involved with him whereas they might be involved with somebody who's you know doesn't really perform runs i don't know whatever it is like i'm not gonna sort of slander anybody but like you know they might run a slower time and and not perform and maybe even run less frequently than him but have a big influence on it so i guess that's kind of the thesis we're talking about here or the paradigm we're talking about so i guess you know the most important question here is like answer this question is like why do brands work with people right and this is a really good question because you you are in the sort of in this niche to some degree matt in that you do perform to to a level right you're sub elite level and then at the same time you create content do all these things both personally and and with the company so i guess when you're talking to brands what do they want is your you
0: know you can speak to the space a little bit yeah it's a super interesting a topic this because there's a lot of different ways to look at it and um it's also a problem in well not a problem but it's a situation in triathlon as well and I wouldn't be surprised if it's a situation in most sports uh, but I know for sure that in triathlon there are professionals out there that are uh, potentially a little bit bothered by the fact that influencers, so to speak that have big brands that aren't necessarily very good um can get a lot of brand uh support and financial support in in the in the sense of money and gear and yeah I mean look at the end of the day there's no real promise out there that if you run fast a brand will support you. I think that's just assumed um, from the beginning mm. it's not like it's not like when we start running and we we are in high school and we get to the age of 18, 19 when we make that decision to try and pursue it. It's not like there's any written rule there that a brand must support you if you run an XYZ time. I've argued for a long time that I wonder why more federations don't supply professional athletes with clear incentives to try and run the specific maybe not times but it's it's again another another whole beast whereby you wonder okay well how do you determine how to get that money from the federation um and i know the federation has to then figure out where to get that money that's normally funded by tax uh or the government provides athletics australia for example just as use an example with x million dollars a year i've always argued like why aren't organization um Associations in track and field providing athletes with more of a base amount of money. And in some countries, they do, but from what I understand, it's not very much. Um, mm. We're talking in the vicinity of a couple of thousand dollars to, I think, in the absolute most cases, it's maybe 50,000, but I'd say most are well below that, something in yeah. the range of maybe five to 15 or 20. Um, and, and, you know, that's just not, that's for not context,
1: for context there, that is in a scheme across all sports. So you got to talk about metal potential there. And that's a lot of where these yeah. countries are getting money from. And so in Australian running, our metal potential is pretty low. Like yeah. the best runners in Australia, I still a pretty low chance of a medal, I would suggest. Yeah. So that needs to be kept in this context here when you're talking about funding, because the funding is not just in track and field because track and field have to split money between elites, community level grassroots, all that stuff. And then Australian sport has to split money across all the sports. And that, that money that Australian Sport has to split is about medals and performance, performance potential, and there are people who've won medals for Australia who you know who have the highest potential because your best predictor is probably a previous medal versus people who are on the up and all those things. And do you support the person who's regularly performed and been there before? Do you support the up and comer because they're younger and they need it, whatever?
0: Yeah, hundred percent correct. But I guess linking back to the topic of this uh, podcast, you know, we're all I think inherently we are selfish to some degree as human beings. And that's a spectrum. Some people are incredibly selfish. Some people are very uh, selfless. Um, And there's this huge spectrum and so forth. But let me take you out of an elite athlete's head and into the brand manager of a company. Well, there's so many examples here too, but let me start with with Nike. (laughs) Now, that example is an interesting one because they have to try and protect or be the best for shareholders and their own salaries, Right. And if they're currently in a situation where they've got $5 just just hypothetical speaking, $5 million to use on track and field, and they've looked at it and they've gone, okay, well, we've been given $200,000 to this athlete, but this year they haven't really performed much and they're not really posting much on social media. And there's this other person out there that's nowhere near as fast, but they're posting so much on social media. And when I take a good glance at their profile and their YouTube channel and their podcast, it might not be all those things, but it might be one or two or three of those things. Wow, they're getting so much engagement, and they've got so many fans and they've got they've built such a community around them. It may be in our best interest to boost our bottom line and our profits by supporting them rather than the athlete. And that might seem harsh. That might seem unfair because the athlete who are, who is the first person I mentioned, is faster and is almost and is going to be probably qualifying for teams and so forth. There's so many interesting things to this topic because the other minor issue here that I don't think many people talk about is when you're competing for, say, i you keep using Athletics Australia as an example, Athletics Australia are bound by using, in the big competitions that are on TV, are bound by using their sponsors. So if you're supporting, if Nike are supporting Billy Bob, who is the athlete qualifying for the Olympics, and then they're forced to wear Puma that is sponsored by Athletics Australia, where's nike's benefit there Well, just to be clear there is a blanket rule i think it's four weeks before and a certain period
1: after where no brand is allowed to talk about the olympics unless they have an agreement with the olympics so nike can't talk about the olympics unless they're a sponsor they can't use the word olympics they can't use the word gold medal, like all of that stuff they can't mention any of that Hmm. likewise the athletes can't mention their brands that are not olympic sponsors so if you're a nike athlete nike's not sponsoring the olympics you cannot mention nike in that window You can't thank sponsors when you win a medal, like you can't do any of that stuff. And the brand can't talk about you, post about you, use those photos for a window as well. So, you know, that's to protect the Olympic uh, advertising, right? The people who sponsor the Olympics. And then in certain aspects, you actually have to cover logos
0: as well. There you go. I'd heard whispers and things about that, but that makes it super clear. Um, So this is very restrictive stuff for a brand. And yeah, I mean, in some cases um, there are some people out there that are, I mean, then there's different levels of influences, right? There's people that are on the cusp of being elite. There's people that are nowhere near elite. Then there's people that fall into certain categories, like they have some sort of disability and they're they're doing very well as a result of the disability. They gain popularity and they are very relatable to others, which brands support. So, you know, this is one of those things where there's no wrong or right. It's just an opinion and it's a very interesting thing to talk about, but I think... Ultimately, at the end of the day, brands are almost always going to favor athletes that are putting in effort to gain, uh, sorry, to uh, to create a community of people that they inspire. That is the key well, thing.
1: I think, so to touch on a couple of your points, historically, I think that belief of like, I'm deserving of sponsorship because I'm performing was pretty founded in, to some degree, fact because let's call it the 80s and 90s. That was the case because the only way you engage with a brand was through Proper advertising, like official advertising. We're talking about TV, like print or billboards. And then why are the athletes when you watch them compete? That was it. Social media has changed everything. YouTube, all of it. Now you have your own, you know, just like if you wanted to hear from an athlete, they had to be interviewed on some platform. Now they just, they talk to camera and they put it out there. So like the world has changed. Let's be really clear. And the amount of saturation you can get from, and and previously there was a monoculture. Everybody watched Sopranos, but everybody would have watched it i was probably the only one who hadn't uh everyone watched it and everyone talked about it yeah so there's two of us everyone <laughs> watched it and and therefore everybody talked about it so that was a monoculture everyone did the same thing now there are just microcultures everywhere there is a microculture listening to this podcast 57 of you think we're the most important podcast in your life and spotify agrees so what i'm saying is you know because you've splintered, you've gone from a monoculture where you only needed a couple of people to a to a, a bunch of microcultures. now you have to diversify your assets and place sponsorship in every space so now you're looking for people who engage with each of those spaces not necessarily a bunch of people who engage with the same space because that same space isn't relevant if i sponsored the top three athletes winning a marathon previously it was like that's all the exposure we'll get that's 100 exposure now it's like well what are people posting who's at the who's doing content around it who's going to speak to the influencer who's going to go for a run with this person how do we do that how do they organize their micro communities so it's completely different. But ultimately, this all boils down to like a handful of things that brands want, which is sales, right? The almighty dollar, like that, that dictates everything.
0: It dictates everything.
1: Exposure, yeah, exposure, right? And that's about driving sales because exposure means got more eyeballs, more saturation. You know, on is the best example at the moment. They are everywhere. So they get more exposure. So people link the brand with more premium things. And then there's branding. So what does your brand want to be about, right? So New Balance is leaning into being the dad shoe to some degree, right? Not necessarily the high performance range, but in the other stuff, they are happy to embrace that. And they're doing advertising around that. Nike historically has been a very socially active brand. This, you know, Colin Kaepernick, Semenya, they're doubling down on these athletes who are not playing or not running anymore. Why? Because that's part of what their brand is, right? So you need to remember that like, there are other aspects here. But then, in terms of what brands want from people, you, you're right here. Like, you're right in the forefront. They want quality content. If I can get, I'm either having to produce the content as a brand or I can receive it and be able to use it, right? Your name, image, likeness, all that sort of stuff. Can I send a photographer your way and you can give me a bunch of stuff back? Or can you use your photographer and send me a bunch of stuff, right? That's a huge part of what brands want because ultimately, unfortunately, we're in a, like a never ending content. Like there's a content machine you need to feed. People are hungry for content. They want to see it. And it's all like fleeting. You used to be able to run the same ad for months in a magazine. Now it's like, heck, that reel's got like a five second life and it's gone. People are reposting Instagram content because not everyone everyone even sees it. Even if you follow Nike, you might not even see all their content. So like there's that aspect. They want influence over the following. So do I care about, you know, somebody who say I, I follow XYZ runner. If, I don't, if I'm interested in what he's doing, but I don't care what he runs in, then he's not really like uh, influencing me. He has no influence over me. Whereas if I care about this other person, for some reason, I'm buying into what they're doing, and they therefore they have influence over me, and I respect their opinions, then I will buy their stuff. right? So there are definitely people whose opinions and shoes I listen to personally, and I know them personally, and so it's a bit different. But I would respect their opinion over Kipchoge's opinion about shoes. Like uh, Kipchoge, I've got nothing in common with him. Like nothing. We don't even run the same race because he runs a two-hour marathon. I run like two hours forty. That's a different race. So, you know, it's really important, and I think that's why there are people who are doing a good job, who are hybridizing this, who are running pretty pretty similar to you, Matt, without wanting to um, paint you with an influencer brush, um, of like people who are closer to my time, who are more relatable to me, who are then producing content as well. It's like that's the person who's. Uh, influencing me, not the person who I've got no idea about. I don't know that story. Don't have buy-in. Don't know what this like any of that stuff. So, yeah,
0: yeah, I think it's actually that's... a big challenge for elite athletes now. I mean, I already yeah. knew this, but you sort of just really like pushed it to the forefront of my mind. And it's that I get told, uh, I don't want to, I don't want to keep talking about me for too long here, but I get told regularly that the reason why I'm interesting to follow to some people is because I am similar to them, which is basically what you're saying. You know, I am maybe just ahead of them and I'm not exactly looking like a Kenyan runner. I'm not super skinny. I'm actually very heavy for someone that's run 220, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. If you're 212, 211, 210 guy, desperate for a sponsorship and you are running as fast as you can and you're 52 kilos and you haven't had a lot of media training, et cetera, et cetera. It's almost a very difficult place to be, isn't it? because it's impossible it's it's almost hard to be relatable unless you start faking your own uh, personality yep it's really
1: hard um and like then the next level is you need really good content and then it's like okay well now you need to pay somebody but you're not getting paid so now you're paying a content team around you to produce unbelievable content but then like then you're waiting for that to pay off you have to make that investment up front and that's really hard for these people who are trying to you know make ends meet um so i think like I think the hard thing here is like, what exerts influence? We talked about specific demographics. You talked already about things like disability, perhaps, perhaps it's uh, body weight or like body image, perhaps it's a gender thing. Like there are specific microcultures here where they will identify with a certain runner and you'd want to be involved with that person for that reason. And I think, you know, that's where you're going to get people doubling down I think as well.
0: can I just you know, share so one of the, the best examples of this right now? Is someone that I've recently yeah. randomly started listening to his podcast quite a lot, which I think is really good. And love him or hate him, Nick Bear is a really interesting person to bring up here just quickly because he's a two. I think he just ran actually two thirty nine, which is starting to get down there as reasonably quick. But he gained a he he gained a huge following as a two forty eight guy, and it was mostly because he he well I know he puts out a lot of content and his content's really well done, et cetera, et cetera, but you know, let's face it, half of the reason why he's popular is because he is unusually large and muscular. And so that is is another whole area of people like, I don't look to him and find him relatable at all. I find a lot of what he says and does really interesting and motivating, but there's a whole range of people that find him relatable because they're also huge and muscular. Maybe they've come from a background of rugby or whatever, or they just want to be huge, but they also want to run a fast marathon. He has got a monster following. I don't even know if there's anyone bigger in the running space that has a bigger following. So interesting exactly. example to bring up. Yeah. yeah. And I think
1: to remember here, like the, the world is changing. We talked about the the, mo, the microcultures versus the monoculture already, but there's also, there's a ton more digital natives, right? We are, we are the last generation, like your, you know, sort of our age group where we grew up without necessarily being digitally native, but the generation after us were hundred percent digitally native. They've been on whatever. So they understand social media differently to us and like authenticity and vulnerability is something that's much, much, much more sought after in Gen Z. And that may not really be that compatible with elite performance. It's really hard. You've voiced this personally. I know other people have voiced that Lionel Sanders is is probably the best at doing this, but it's really hard to have a bad performance, get in front of the camera and be vulnerable about that and talk about it. Uh, consider that, right? Think about it from an elite athlete mindset. Think about, you know, we all watched probably The Last Dance, Michael Jordan, if one of his competitors had gone to Instagram and said like, Oh, that was really tough. You know, when MJ did this to me and this is Michael Jordan's like doubling down and taking that out. He's going to talk smack to you about that. And he's going to like really take advantage of it. So now you have like, you, you can't really be vulnerable and be strong to your competitors. So it becomes really hard. And that's like, so then if I know as a brand that I need to have influences or people, I need to put money behind people who are going to connect with Gen Z. Cause that's the demographic I want to sell into. And I know that that vulnerability and authenticity is key and i know that the pros can't do that or they aren't doing that then why am i spending money on a pro like i know all these things like it doesn't make any sense to spend money on a pro yeah so
0: another story comes to mind here um it's a very short one of um I, i'm not going to i'm not going to name any names and i'm actually friends with these people and i don't want to frame this in too much of a negative light but an australian guy recently ran 212 now, you might, I'm not sure, Dave, and I actually would prefer you not to respond to this and people listening. Many people will be thinking, who was that? And that's kind of my point. <laughs> and to be fair, I, I thought the same thing. I was like, who's he talking about? Now, it was at a race recently, and most people have no idea. Now, his coach, who I'm friends with, have been for a long time, and I have very high respect for him. He's a brilliant coach, and I've been friends with him for a long time. For whatever reason, I'm actually going to have a minor jab at his coach, who I'm obviously, most people listening have no clue. But his coach often praises him for going about it without making without making much of a noise. And I'm not really quite sure if I'm if I'm agreeing with that. Because the guy also has, well, I think he has a couple of sponsors giving him some stuff. But if he runs 2.9 and he keeps behaving that way, doing this stuff where no one really, behaving that way, so that's a strong way to put it, um, acting in this fashion, he may end up being a 2.07, 2.08 guy with no sponsors, the way I see it. And is that well, a if, good place if to a tree, be? I'm not
1: sure. If a tree falls in the woods and there's no one around, does it make a sound? <laughs> like, well, the whole thought is like, if no one knows you're doing it, no one cares you're doing it. Exactly. Like, and it's unfortunate. the, the and issue
0: that's... is the issue. To, well, I don't even know if I'm using the right words here by saying behavior and issue. But in my eyes, his potential risk here might be if he is being praised by people for just getting on with it and not posting anything and being super quiet about his build up and not sharing any of the journey. Um, yeah, I mean, he very well. He, in my in my opinion, here he's heading in the direction of being a two, because he. I think the guy can actually run two seven two eight pretty soon. He might be there, and he might maybe have a really hard time getting any help financially. So, and that's okay sure if, what, if he's so, mm, maybe well, if okay he's happy him with though. that. Maybe, yeah, 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 exactly.
1: Well, that's the thing. Like, if he's happy with that, he's happy with that, right? Like, but you can't, like, you can't be unhappy that you don't have that, and then also know what people want, and then not get it, that's and then true. not do it, and then not get it. Like, you can't. You can't say I want sponsors, know that sponsors want more social and then refuse to do social and go like, well, they should still sponsor me. Like that's not how the world works, unfortunately.
0: Um, That is true. So I may be speaking slightly out of line here in a sense that maybe he doesn't want that and maybe he has a full-time job lined up and maybe that's fine by him. So in that case, then I'm I'm wrong. Yeah.
1: Yeah. No, no. like it's all fair. We all get to make choices in the world. And the other thing, um, some people, and especially in Australian culture, and you've talked about this on different podcasts at different times, but like. There's a lot of tall poppy syndrome. There's a lot of like, we shouldn't speak out. We shouldn't be great. Um, And so, and that's, compared to America, it's very different. And I guess what I'd say there is you can be really uncomfortable doing that. And, you know, that's the growth you have to get to. Like, if you want to be doing that, if you want to be in the media or you want to do those things, you have to be comfortable putting yourself out there. And you're currently doing the, in my opinion series, you talked a lot about things like haters that you get and all that sort of stuff. And it's real, it's very real. So like there are costs to every benefit. I spoke to an influencer recently in a different part of my life who said that they'd moved to a certain area and had people taking photos of them and posting their location and where they live now online. I was like, that is my idea of hell. Wow. Like, you just can't. Yeah. And I mean, this person has an enormous following. I get it, but still like I was just, and, and they were saying that they can't go out in the street because people will stop them all the time. And they went to a different city and I won't say where it was, but again, same problem. And I was like, well, at least you should probably try and travel here that no one will recognize you. And they said, Oh no, actually someone recognized me there.
0: So it's, those are the costs you, gotta you pay. You got to tell me right? after this conversation who that is, that's fascinating. Yeah, yeah, I will, I will.
1: Um, But I think as well, like it, social media is changing as well. And the way to influence oh, yeah. people and in attention has changed, right? Like when I was doing a little bit of stuff with brands uh, and there were a couple of brands that supported me as an ambassador, it was like enough to post a photo a couple of times a week or a couple of times a month. A uh, bit of a quote, everyone was stoked. And yeah, now it's all video, man. Like I can't keep up here. We're talking about spending hours a day editing video for cuts attention grabs etc and if you're at all interested in like what this looks like just go watch some stuff on mr beast listen to him talk for 10 minutes about how he optimized his thing he's like the biggest youtuber in the world yeah it is unbelievable he's like optimizing the clip that like the the thumbnail he's optimizing the jumps he's like analyzing data he is surgical about it and like that's what we are that's what you're in competition against so if you don't have the time to do that then you need to pay for a content team now you got a content team now you got to pay for them so now you got to put out enough content, have enough brands working with you. Like that's a really difficult spot to get to. Um, I mean, you work with people. You ran um, uh YouTube channel for uh, Gwen Jorgensen for a while, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, this was a, a job for you. Like that speaks yeah. volumes to this, right? So like that is hard as well. Um, but I guess who do you reckon is doing a good job here in terms of like marrying
0: social media and performance? Like who's who's doing a good job, you reckon? I'm going to go with the first person that comes to my mind here and i'm not really quite sure why this person did because i don't know her but philly bowden i feel like he's absolutely crushing it i don't know if you yep, were awesome. watching her stuff she's a I 229 marathoner which is obviously like borderline olympics that's well and yep. truly in the elite category now and she yep. is i don't actually don't watch a lot of her stuff but i've watched a little bit here and there and every time i think you are doing exactly what people need to do she is sharing yep. really low lows very high highs Lots of just really embarrassing, strange stuff, which she's kind of like making a joke about herself on. Yep. Um, Tell us a lot about training, shares lessons she learns. When she mucks something up, she admits to it and talks about why and what she's doing about it. Brilliant. I don't know if she came to mind first. I actually don't know her at all. I yeah. think I've briefly met her a while ago. Um, I mean, that'd be interesting because I
1: reckon, like, you would suggest that the most of her demographic are people who are like her. So when I say that similar age, probably female, like that would be most of her demographic that she um, identifies with just like Nick bears following. I guarantee you was like 30 year old white guys. Like that is oh, what yeah. Nick bears following is. So that's how that works. And as you get bigger, of course, that, that, that circle grows out from people who are exactly like you, from your area, like friends of yours through to people who are different areas, not friends with you, like similar age groups. And that grows out. So that makes sense. I mean, for me, I think Tim and Elite do a really good job of the team and I think that's really good from them. And they probably, uh, that allows them, they've spoken previously and I haven't sort of really been keeping track, but they've spoken previously about having that Tim and Elite brand and running that as a bit of a brand has helped them to pay guys so that they can train at a higher level, right? So that's kind of the, how do you invest? It's like you join that group so that you don't have to invest personally in some of this content stuff, but it helps you leverage your brand out of there, right? I think they're doing a really good job there. I mentioned Gwen before. I think she does a great job. We talk way too much about triathletes on this podcast, yeah. but most of the triathletes do a really good job. Like Lucy Charles-Barclay, yeah. Christian Blumenfeld, gustavi and the Norwegians do a great job. Lionel has a great YouTube channel. Um, is the anyone landscape else you can think in, of?
0: The landscape in triathlon is extremely different to running. Um and look, don't get me started on why that is, because I'll be here for half an hour and we don't have that time right now. It's it's it's
1: real simple. It's real simple. In running, you get sponsored by a shoe brand, maybe a a nutrition company, and then maybe a watch company or something else like that, maybe some sunglasses, a couple other small things. In cycling, it's potentially goggles. You've got uh like all of the apparel, tri-suits, wetsuits, you've got uh shoes, you've got nutrition, you've got like perhaps garment or whatever, and you've got bikes, and bikes are the biggest sponsor in um, bikes are by far the biggest sponsor in triathlon and think about the cost of a bike uh, the cost of a bike is something like a hundred or something pairs of shoes maybe more so like yeah. just economies of scale like it's just real simple and then there's eyeballs and the race frequency and all that stuff so they race yeah. much more frequently than marathoners do so like there's all that context yeah um, that's very true so i guess i think probably what started... running,
0: i can think of so many good triathlon examples but in, in running well, um, to be fair,
1: Molly Seidel does a really good job as well. I think of marrying yeah. the two um, Olympic bronze does it has a, has a fun social. I enjoy her social. Um, I think it's quite funny a lot of the time. It's really oh, authentic.
0: How, how could we go past Stephen Scully?
1: Yeah, oh, Scully Scully kills it. But I mean, his Scully's again got Scully, a very Scully. niche brand. <laughs> yeah, he's got a, he's got a very niche brand. I, like and and people love him. Like people that love him love him. Um, so I, I mean, his interview with you and your podcast his interview on for the kudos was amazing as well like yeah just really good um this whole conversation started from like a discussion we had around whether athletes should do their own social or not like you, you and i had offline that mm. and what we're talking about here is is people like is a comment i made on the, like one of our previous episodes that you sort of laugh at you said that i didn't believe that chapter guy did his
0: own social um no no, no, and no I said, you, you did it better than that you said something okay please correct me if i'm wrong but you said uh Kept the guy ran 208 and had a hard time in yeah. the last half, which is no secret. And yeah. then you said he he posted on Instagram that he's going to run another marathon, but you weren't convinced he posted that because you're not convinced he manages his own social. So it made yeah. me laugh because I was like, does Ch- does he actually want to run another marathon or not? Is <laughs> someone else saying that?
1: Well, it, it got to a point where you were saying, like, sort of the conversation was like, is it disingenuous to have someone else run your social mm. or is it fair game? And and I kind of said, I think where I've ended up with this is I don't believe that athletes can really do that and perform i think they need help with it it might be as simple as like hey cut my reel up and i'll post it and put the comments or whatever that's fair enough but i really don't think you can do it all right you can't plan it and stage it and do all that and still be then performing so i'll concede that and i'm happy if there were some photos taken joshua said like this is how i'm feeling and they create they crafted something around that i think and it's you know it's a uh polished version of what was said like i'm stoked like, that's fine crack on where i'm concerned with athletes is like i don't care what you post just post it and we're done i don't even agree like i don't even have to agree to it i don't have to see it i don't care about it I, I don't want anything to do with it it may as well not be me it may as well not be my instagram it may as well be a fan page of me and that's where like i think there's a line of authenticity that uh is is hard and and
0: makes me feel uncomfortable Hundred percent. I think it makes me feel more uncomfortable. It makes, it makes me feel more uncomfortable than it does you because I've had this. I've, I'm not going to. I'm not going to say names. I've already mentioned someone on my own podcast. But yep, one of the best marathoners in the world. Yeah. I mean, I think it's more about. It's a. It's a tough one, and it really depends on the way you look at it. Because I would never argue with someone if they said, "Yeah, but isn't he like inspiring people all around the world, millions of people, in the way he's doing stuff online?" And I can't argue with that. Yes, he is. But I guess I would say, yeah, but is it he? <laughs> is it him? <laughs> is it someone else? And I think yep. that's, I don't know. And I think the main reason maybe why I find that funny is because whenever I watch interviews of him um, in a setting where maybe he's given a couple of hard questions or questions that he might not be ready for, it's a very different personality to what you see on Instagram, and uh, I think that's just a little bit like, oh, there you go, and that shocks people. And I think, well, why are you shocked? Don't you, don't you realize that all the posts online is someone else in the Netherlands?
1: <laughs> yeah, well, so you're talking about Kipchoge, and we did a podcast on yeah, on that I, interview he had with Boston. So I made it too obvious. Um, didn't yeah, you it uh, did. It's interesting. It, there, there is a moment that people realize this. I, there was a moment somebody I knew previously, um, and I. They'd had breakfast somewhere, uh, and I, I and I was messaging them. And I was like, "Hey, how was breakfast? at That place, I love it." And they're like, "What are you talking about? I didn't have breakfast there this morning." I was like, "Oh, you post on Instagram?" You are there. They're like, "Oh, I can't post where I am live. I oh, can't do yeah, that." That was, th- that was that yeah. was three days ago, and I was like, "Oh, wow!" And I realized that like their whole Instagram feed was offset by about three days. I was mm. like, "That's so fascinating." And it was a safety thing for them. Um, and I was like, "Oh, cool. That makes sense." And you know, for a while, I did this as well. Uh, particularly when I was like traveling internationally, I didn't want people to know I wasn't home because it's actually truly a risk for people to have places broken into, et cetera. But mm. I guess I say all that to say, like there are real reasons that people might do something like this that's slightly disingenuous. And I think everyone needs to realize that like social media isn't reality and um, and authenticity is helpful and all those things. And it's important, but but it, it isn't reality. It's it's what people want to share.
0: Yeah, hundred percent. I really like accounts. I tend to like accounts that I know like Mo Farrah, love him or hate him for other reasons. I actually think uh probably not the best example. And if I sat there for five minutes, I'd think about probably ten more that I like I like more of. But his 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 Instagram is clearly him because he's just always posting something like silly, like yes to one, like one more vote. Like it's just it's clearly him. And I just think that's cool, you know. Like you've got a photo taken, you've posted it, whatever. But you know, I don't want to talk about on too long because it's his pro-running news. Um but I do really follow a lot of triathletes probably closer and I, and I, and I show a stronger appreciation to them than the many elite runners because it's them on Instagram as well. Yeah. Uh, at the very top end yeah. I'm talking. So yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. for
1: sure. All righty, Well, that's it for another episode of Pirate News. Hopefully you enjoyed this one. Let us know what you think. Uh, as always please send in questions to us via DM on Instagram. We are getting to them. We promise. Uh, And as previously requested, and thanks for those who have, please uh, rate the podcast and share it with a friend. Thank you. Thank you very much.